1 Peter chapter 3, continuing in our studies there. Covered that verse as well known by many last time we were meeting, about sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And Colossians 4, 6 speaks the same. And that we ought to do. We're looking at the conduct of the Christian. We've looked at in the family, in the fellowship, and now in the faith. And the faith that's under fire will sanctify us, purify us. When I am tried, I shall come forth as gold, as Job said, and sanctified for the use for the Lord and be ready to give an answer. Once we've been through the experience, we can give an answer. If we've not been in the trials and tribulations, we can give an answer, but it may not be as real as those that have gone through the mill, you could, we could say. <clears throat> With meekness and fear, of course. So our attitude in suffering in verse 14 was seen for the right reason, for the right reaction, with the right reaction and with the right resolve. And our advice in suffering is that verse we've just talked about. <clears throat> and it's taken from Isaiah 8 and verse 13 14. Now we get to the our action in suffering from our attitude in suffering. In verse 14, our, advi the, our, our advice in suffering. Verse 15, our action in suffering. Verse 16 and 17. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the living word of God that does get used by your Holy Spirit to minister to our needs and the things we face in life and I pray that we would grow thereby, we become more like Christ and that Lord we would have opportunity to give answers to people that ask us why we behave as we do in the trials of life and even without the trials. Lord bless us with those opportunities. We ask and pray and this and we ask and pray that you'd bless the study now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now actions in suffering. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you, as evildoers, they may be ashamed but falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it's better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well doing than for evil doing. Our actions in suffering will give us or take away from us the opportunity to minister to other people and sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and a way to keep the right action to just have a right conscience. A right conscience. A conscience must be right. And be taught, Paul declared <clears throat> before the wicked Sanhedrin back in Acts 23 verse 1 that he had a good conscience. He had a, a good conscience and they didn't like him saying that and other things where he said, verse 1, Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Now, they had him up and they had him, no, they wanted to kill him, but they couldn't stand the thought that he have a good conscience. What about all the offences he's committed to us? And our belief, well, they were the wrong ones, not him. And so he said, and, and then he, the priest and Ananias commanded that those that stood by to smite him on the mouth. 
but he got slapped for saying that he had a good conscience. You see, when, and this is something we'll see over and over as we look at this thought tonight, when the light that shines from us exposes the error or the darkness of another person, what are they going to do? Get angry angry and slap us. If they can't slap us physical, they'll do it in other ways. And so be aware of that. Don't be surprised by it. He also spoke in Acts 24, 16. We won't turn there before Felix, and Felix didn't slap him. The unsaved man had a better reaction because his error, his darkness, was not like that of the religious leaders. They had a vehemence in their slap. A clear conscience makes us bold, a great asset to Paul and to Peter in the trials and testimonies they had. And Paul, if you read through it, doesn't use the word conscience, but in Acts chapter 20, where he goes through talking to the Ephesus elders, verse 17 to 35, there he could, he could say what he said to them because he had a clear, guiltless, good conscience. A good conscience is a necessity for a good defence in court. Isn't that so? They say that a person that's telling the truth is artless in the way they say it. They don't have to manipulate. They don't have to think, am I lying here? Am I trying to cover another lie I've told before? And before God and man, they can just give it as it is and have a good conscience before these these, uh, lawyers or whatever. And so a good conscience is a necessity for a good defence before God and before man, before the world. Um, maintain a good conscience if you have your I don't like people asking people to look up their phones but the outline will be there it is there, it's on there and you can follow this through and you can look at it later, all the references are with it our word conscience comes from two Latin words con c-o-n meaning with and psycho, not psycho not (laughs) um, as we think of it when we use that word, um, and it means to know, to know, to know with. The conscience is that internal judge. Let's turn to Romans chapter 2. It's an internal judge, and we need this to be able to give an answer, to be able to survive the suffering we go through. Uh, <clears throat> um, it witness, witnesses to us. Enables us to know with, as that meaning of conscience means, to know with. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, talking of unsaved people. When the Gentiles who have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Who show the work of the law written in their hearts. (laughs) their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another there's a lot of thoughts in that but here it's a internal judge to people and some people who are unsafe to so wreck their conscience they haven't got one and it's not talking about those sort of people here but ones that have a conscience that bears witness and accuses or excuses them 
uh, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by his gospel. God will judge people for that which God gave them. And uh, it doesn't take much, like Psalm 19 says, to look around and say, somebody's in charge. And the more educated a person is and knows about all the things that are invented these days, the more that person will be guilty. And they have to be searing their conscience not to think through that someone did this. <clears throat> Just reading about the trilobite and its eyes. There's no trilobites apparently alive anymore. They all got killed in the flood. And they thought, you know, they were one of the simplest things. And they started looking at their eyes and they're more complex than some many eyes today in how they could see and, and protect themselves as in a creation magazine. And <clears throat> the, the people looking at it, when they started looking at it, because they think evolution, they think, you know, it's going to be a simple life form, it's going to be a simple eye. <laughs> and, they, and they discover otherwise. And they say, this shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But it is. And surely the conscience would be pricked. You know, there is a God. Somebody designed this. It couldn't. Absolutely couldn't. None of the eyes evolved. And even... It was they were talking about the eyes of a whale shark, and um, and all the shields it's got on it, and the guards, and how they can pull their eyes in and pop their eyes out and and see or protect their eyes, and uh, they've just discovered those shields on the eye, all in within the eye itself, and um, <clears throat> praise God, people will have to answer, they don't get away scot free for not believing that which accuses or excuses them God-given conscience. Now, <clears throat> if we persist to go against what our conscience is, that is an unsafe person or an un or a safe person, if we, it's, it's like getting a, a window that gets dirtier and dirtier and dirtier until no light comes through. And that can be our conscience. And uh, we don't want to go there, even as Christians. If we keep resisting what God is, how God is using that as he uses his word and the spirit and circumstances to bring us and lead us to himself and in our Christian life, and we keep darkening the window and our conscience won't bear the witness it could. Let's go to Titus, Titus chapter 1 and verse 15. This speaks of another conscience, all these are in that outlined on the phone in chapter 1 and verse 15 it says there unto the pure all things are pure but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure have you experienced that in in the world get amongst unsaved people and they'll say things and you are thinking with a pure mind they're thinking with an impure mind and they can make it mean totally something really bad. And you're not even thinking that way. Unto the pure, all things are pure. Unto the unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. A defiled conscience. And that's the dirty window getting dirty, dirtier. And it becomes a defiled conscience. Let's go to First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. We read there, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. <clears throat> it's talking about 
apostasy, people going away from the truth, but staying in religion, staying in the system. And they'll be seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and speaking lies in hypocrisy. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron. This is in religion. This is in people that uh, profess to know the Lord, but they're not saved. And their conscience is seared. Once you've seared and got scar tissue on your conscience, is it going to be used anymore? Can it be used anymore? I don't think so. You know, when you brand a cow with a, an animal with a brand, and that, that's, that's gone. No hair grows back there. And um, they'll seed conscience. And these people who have had the truth, it's like Romans chapter 1 and 2, isn't it? Where when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, four-footed beasts and creeping things. This is these people. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron. Very hard to talk to people like that. They don't see their need of the gospel. They don't see their need. They don't see themselves as sinners. And they've done all these good deeds. And they'll say on the day they come before the Lord, 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 we've done this and that. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meat. You know, this speaks of the Catholic Church, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving. Forbidding to marry, stopping eating of the meats. That's very pointed. Um, <clears throat> these are these people. Seed conscience. That's why they could murder and martyr true believing Christians. Because they had such a seed conscience, they thought they were so right when they were so wrong. So wrong. <clears throat> so there you have the conscience as an internal judge, a defiled conscience, a seed conscience. So sinned against truth that it's no longer sensitive to what's right and wrong. Um, <clears throat> in fact, it gets to the point where, and it's, it's, we're at that point in society today, where they call good evil and evil good. That's where we are. That's where society is, mainly because the church, you know, Christendom, has gone where it's gone has sunk so low with not preaching the truth but teaching and accepting error and even churches accepting those things now and the world, well, you know the church says it's okay notice when the media quote a religious person they always pick a, the apostate or liberal to give the opinion of religion on the subject <laughs> and it's not, it's not what we believe at all you shake your head and say well, who did they talk to? it wasn't us yeah, they do these surveys and that. I've never been asked to do answer a survey in, in of, of any form as far as p political parties and things. I don't know, are they ringing their mates? What are they doing? <laughs> but uh, certainly not con connecting with Christians here. And so they approve what is bad and accuse when a person does good. And that's an evil conscience. Let's go to Hebrews 10 and 22. This is what it speaks about here, an evil conscience. They go so far to say that. Approve 
wicked things and accuses when persons do good. That's happened in our media, media over the last couple of years, increasingly so. And Hebrews 10.22, we read, Let us draw nigh with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Pure water. You know, we're talking about washed in the blood of the Lamb and seeing that we've been washed. What a change has wrought in our hearts since Jesus came into our lives. We've had, we had an evil conscience, but now we have a cleansed conscience. We have a new start. We can cleanse that and start thinking totally differently. You know, with criminals, they feel guilty if they squeal on their friends but happy if his friend succeeds in his crime. That's these people, that evil conscience, an evil conscience. It's no more sensitive to God's light. It's so darkened the window, it's like blacked out. <laughs> it's been a blackout like in the wartime. Blackout to the word and the will of God. And if we don't read the word of God and people don't know it, they don't know the will of God, of course. But then there's what we have in Peter. And what did he call it? A conscience that we ought to have and that, we, that Paul declared he had in 23 and 1 of Acts? A good conscience. A good conscience. Having a good conscience. That's what we as Christians ought to have. And what does this conscience do for us? When we do something wrong, immediately... Yeah, you know. You know. The conscience... And if you know the word that's used to, and you know you're not doing the will of God. Who hasn't had that happen to them? When they've done something wrong, thought something wrong, and then bang, it comes so quick, <laughs> you know, you're not doing right. This is wrong. Conscience speaking, <laughs> uh, <coughs> accuses us when we do wrong, but approves our conscience approves when we do right, the opposite to the world and an evil conscience. It takes exercise to keep the conscience strong and to keep it pure. We referred to Acts 23, but Acts 24, and I think we might have gone there a bit, but in a few verses here, verses 14, <coughs> excuse me, 14 to 16. But this I confess, 24, 14. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. And in this do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offence toward God and man. And that's what Paul said. And he was here testifying, was it, before Felix? And he's saying, Felix, this is what I'm doing. And this is why I'm telling you. And my, my, my fellow men in the flesh, the Jewish people, have got it all wrong. And you know, they, they hate me for preaching and teaching the truth. They call me a heretic, heresy. <laughs> they call heresy. I worship God of my fathers. And so a good conscience will be able to give a good defence, as we've said, a good answer in times of trouble. And 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 
Another one, 1 Corinthians 8. There's those that have a weak conscience. It's sad when a Christian has a weak conscience. Because if you've got a weak conscience and you do something wrong, it might take hours, days even to, oh, I think that might have been wrong. A good conscience will bang on the spot, say this is wrong. In chapter 8, verse 7, However, there is not in every man that knowledge. This is um, talking about Christian liberty, what we should eat and not eat and the meat and all that. They have that not, not. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. That weak, we're not to offend a weaker brother with a weak conscience. But what does that weaker brother need to do who's got a weak conscience? He needs to grow up. He needs to strengthen his conscience. He needs to do that by reading the word and understanding things offered to idols. Uh, the meat is not going to be tainted. It's not going to have a demon in it if I eat it or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's edible. Give thanks to God for it and eat it. Um, but there are some that have a weak conscience. This is prevalent in our society today. There are people, Christians, that have got weak consciences and they balk at things when you talk about them that are happening in the world. You tell me what you think there might be a situation where you know Christians have got a weak conscience and they get upset with you if you have got a stronger conscience. Housing, theater, drink. Drink, drink, I heard. Yes, housing, theater. Yep, all those things, yep. And there was... Did I hear someone over here? Doug? No, no you didn't? Music. Music. Homeschooling, not homeschooling. Vaccination, no vaccination. They look at you and say, ah, you do that, you know. I do it, I don't do it. I, well, <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes you just, just say nothing. <laughs> because you, if you do, you open your mouth, put your foot in it. Oh, no, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that to them because their conscience might be weak and it offends them. Grow up. But meat commendeth us not to God. Um, remember, remember when the credit card came out, the bank card, wasn't it? The bank card came out. Yeah, the six six six. That's saying, oh, you're a heretic. Uh, don't get one of them. Uh, some people still haven't got them. I don't think it's because of that, because they're proven it's not. <laughs> it's not. It might lead to the whatever in the future, but right now it's not. See, those things strengthen the conscience. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> only the physical things that are not going to hurt in participating in the meat commended that's not to God and, yeah, and vegetarian thing you know, even if we want to talk about that vegan, vegans of um, Hungry Jacks have got a vegan burger I, I like Hungry Jacks but I don't know if I've eaten a vegan I didn't order it for, I didn't order it because if I no I would want the meat one please <laughs> Where's the beef in that one? 
um, make commandments not to God, neither if we eat are we better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed lest any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block. So, take heed. So, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Be wise not to eat that meat, Paul. <laughs> well, others are looking in that have a weak conscience and you make them stumble and they go back to that idol worship and uh, offering of um, meat to the devils. If any man see thee who has knowledge sit at meat in the, uh, in the idol's temple, shall not the... Con- uh, that's going pretty far, isn't it? Sitting at meat, eating in the... Uh, <laughs> In the temple of idols. Uh, Shall not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things that are offered to idols? See, he slips back into his old ways through your stronger conscience. And though through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. So keep that in mind. Keep it in mind when you do different things. I think the word conscience is used more in this section than anywhere in the scriptures. And it's in the next verse. Wherefore, verse 13, if meat make my brother to offend, I'll eat no meat while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. So there about the conscience. A good conscience can help a believer in times of trial and opposition. For one thing, it fortifies him. We get courage and boldness if we've got a good conscience that's not defiled. Boldness and courage. Martin Luther in Germany there was very courageous. He said this on April the 18th, 1521. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. He's either going to offend God by t- telling a lie or offend all these people that have got him there. <clears throat> His conscience bound to God's word gave him the courage to defy the whole established church at that time. A good conscience gives us peace, gives us peace in our hearts. We know we're walking with God and we're not offending God and ask God if there's something that I'm offending you with to reveal it. <laughs> But the restlessness of an uneasy conscience divides the heart and drains the strength, gives us peace. A good conscience removes from us the fear of what other people may know about us and say against us or do to us. Imagine Paul after he got saved and all the baggage he had, all the things he knew he'd done, the murders he knew he was responsible for, the beatings, the imprisonments. Now, what a It'd be hard, wouldn't it? And, and people could, ha ah, you, I know you. And Christians did do that quite some years after Paul got saved. No, we don't. we don't want him. We know what he's done to the church, to Christians. Um, <clears throat> but he could say he lived with a good conscience. He got that clear. He was forgiven of those things. Um, he had liberty to preach the truth. The Lord is on my side and I will not fear what man shall do unto me or say unto me or think about me and what they say or do to us does not affect us we have that liberty um, <clears throat> when a preacher's preaching and he and the spirit convicts the preacher of what he is preaching 
What does he do? Does he stop preaching? Oh, no, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm a hypocrite here. No, he, he can and should confess his sin even while he's preaching and keep moving forward and not go back there and do it again. <laughs> Have a good conscience. So <clears throat> our conscience must be right. Having a good conscience back there in Peter and our conduct, our conscience must be right and our conduct must be right so that we may confuse our foes, as it says in verse 16. A good conscience, whereas I speak ill of you, they, as evildoers they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you of your good conversation. <laughs> confuse the foes. <clears throat> we may live so that our unsaved Accusers may be ashamed of themselves. Saul, Paul, heard Deacon Stephen preaching. And from that point on, if it wasn't before that, it may have been before that and after that, that there were goads in Paul's heart. He couldn't get it out of his mind. He couldn't get the face of Stephen out of his mind. He couldn't get the sayings of Stephen out of his mind. And they were the goads that pricked him. It's hard for you to kick against this. And though people could accuse him from the point of his salvation, that completely changed his behaviour. And the goads, he was at ease with God. His conscience was right now that he got saved. And that goading didn't keep happening. Uh, although the goading to do right would have. Um, <clears throat> then we can confront our foes in verse 17. We've run out of time. So, <clears throat> suffer for well-doing, but not for evil-doing. How's the conscience? How are you responding to the conscience, the light that comes through the window? How clean are you keeping your window? <laughs> How much you're in the word of God? letting God speak to you and me, of course.